0: Good morning. Good morning. It's fun to be with you all today. Miss Pastor Rich's sermon but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> before, we have before us this morning a a very interesting set of texts. They're actually predestination texts but um, had spoken to some people after the first service who want to make very clear what we're reading here in Romans. It doesn't say you were predestined, as if somewhere up in heaven, somewhere, the decision was made, higgledy-piggledy. It says, those who were called were also predestined. And those he called. Now, how do we hear the call? We hear the call on the lips of our neighbor. We hear the call in the word of God. So when you're working out in the garage and you're standing in the kitchen working together, you're out at the lumber yard, you're getting ready, you're sharing the word. Here's how God calls from the lips of the neighbor. So as you're listening to this text from the gospel today and you're listening to how we know we belong in the kingdom of heaven, be thinking about where God calls you to serve. So... The Gospel text from Matthew 13, beginning in the 44th chap- verse. Jesus said, Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went out and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked. Yes, they replied, and he said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures new treasures as well as old. The word of our Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how precious we are to you, each one of us. How uniquely you know us, that even the hairs of our head are numbered. And so reassure us today, inspire us, fill us with joy to run out and enjoy this field, this pearl that you have given us. Bless us to be a blessing as your grace fills us for the good of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, our Lord reaches out to us in a passionate desire to get us off of ourselves. He wants to get us unstuck, to get our eyes off of our navels and off of our need to save ourselves. After all, if we have to do that work, there really wasn't much good for Jesus to go through all he went through. Now, our immediate response as good Lutherans is to say, Oh, no, no, we would never be involved in that kind of thing, thinking we could save ourselves. Oh, no, we know better than that. But we are just as prone to the I'll do it myself because it makes me feel better syndrome as anyone else. I had a fellow come up to me after a funeral once. He was concerned. He had to work at it a little bit because I remember particularly the room was especially full that day. But funerals are a wonderful time to reflect on our personal salvation, you know. And so he got up to me and his face was etched with concern and he said, you know, I don't feel very saved. And there wasn't a lot of time to talk. We were, being, we were surrounded by people. I'd never seen the man before. And I said, well, you know, it's a good thing that our salvation doesn't depend on our feelings. It depends on the promise of God. And he looked at me for a minute, and a little smile appeared on his face, and he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what actually is the promise of salvation, and how can you be sure you've got it? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden. When a man found it, he hid it again. Just the opposite of sharing the gospel, yeah? And in his joy, he went out and sold all he had, and he bought that field. In other words, the treasure impelled him to get out there and enjoy the field, didn't it? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now, at least this guy was looking But just because he's looking didn't mean he would find it. I mean, how many bags of pearls did he have to go through? And the pearl could have been on the other side of the city and somebody else would have gotten it. But he found it. And when he did, when he found this gem of a pearl, what did he do? He sold all he had and he bought that pearl. This was the one he wanted, huh? Joy. These are two beautiful parables on finding the kingdom of heaven. The third parable is a little tougher. But these two are just filled with the sheer delight and the wonder of discovery. What good luck! Because in both cases the treasure was stumbled on by accident, a wonderful coincidence. These people didn't do anything to earn it. What is God's promise in Christ? The kingdom of heaven, like it says in Deuteronomy, is a gift for you. Not because you've done anything special, not because you're better than anybody else, but because God loves you. And so he calls you his own. This is a predestination text. It's all about God. My sister has always treasured her solitude. Even as children, I can remember her going up to the bedroom in the middle of the afternoon, and I'd run up to our bedroom, and there she'd be laying on the bed, just kind of hanging out, enjoying the peace and the quiet. So it wasn't a surprise for me to hear that she'd gone on a road trip. She is a busy physician in Tucson, never has a moment's solitude, and so she'd heard that if she was willing to drive an hour up to this waterfall, then park in the parking lot and hike 40 minutes up to the waterfall, she would find solitude, because a lot of people wouldn't, aren't going to hike 40 minutes, right? But there was a special gift in this waterfall, because as the water came off the table, before it went over the cliff, it had, it had scoured out these pools where the water would flow in and it'd whirl around and it'd pulse around and then it would flow on over to the waterfall. And you could actually sit in these pools, like your own natural water, uh, whirlpool. And she wasn't disappointed. She got in the pool. Man, it was just everything she'd expected. And she laid back and she enjoyed the water. And if this is starting to sound dangerous, it was. And she was enjoying the water swirling over her until she realized that not only the water was moving, so was she, right off the edge of the cliff. And I said, oh my gosh, did you holler to someone? Did you say something? And she said, yes, I yelled, Jesus. And the water took her off the cliff and beat her against the stones. It was a big waterfall. I went, she wanted to take me up and look at it. I did. And she said she was pushed and pummeled under the water, and then everything got quiet. And she realized she wasn't there alone, that her angel was there. And she reached out to touch her angel, and when she put her hand out, another hand grabbed hers and pulled her out of the water, and it wasn't an angel. It was the park ranger. (laughs) Who said that she was only the second person he'd ever pulled out alive. Now I tell you this story that you might reflect as I have on how many times we have been pulled out of danger frequently when we didn't even know we needed to be saved. If you've lived in Sioux Falls very long, you are needing to be saved a lot with the traffic lately. I'm amazed at the way people drive, but it isn't just that. Several, well not several years ago, many, many years ago I was riding my horse and I I was just ambling along, and I didn't have my feet in the stirrups, and all of a sudden, the animal took off, just like a shot down this gravel road, when just hell-bent for leather. I mean, he was stretched out, and I wasn't in. And I thought, dear God, I'm going to come off. This guy was going like crazy, and it was a gravel road, and I'm going to really be hurt, but I could not get my seat. And all at once, the horse stopped. He was a quarter horse. He ran a quarter mile, and he stopped. God saved me. Or like my dear friend in nursing school, we were with the last class at SDSU to go up to Minneapolis because there wasn't enough room in Sioux Falls for nursing students. That's a good one. She coughed and coughed and coughed. She coughed so much and she whined so much that they finally took a scan of her chest and they found a mass on her heart. It needed to come off right away. In the instant they took the scan, the cough stopped. And they took the mask off her heart and she's fine today. But there's God moving in our life, saving us when we don't even know we need saving. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man happened to stumble across it, he was so astounded that he hid it and went and bought the field so he could possess it. So he could have it, so he could control it. Because he knew that possession is nine-tenths of the law. And if you've got it in your hand, it's a lot easier to hold on to it, except this isn't the law. You already have it. You don't need to do anything to make sure that you're saved or that you're in the kingdom. Why can't we take it that way? Why can't we just take the joy of the kingdom and run with it? Because it isn't enough to have it free. Then we're not sure it's ours. The old Adam in us wants to control it, and that's where the joy of our relationship in Christ flows out of our fingers. In both of these parables, the initiative for earning the gift is taken out of our hands. That's the way God wants it. It happens without us even knowing we're looking for it. Christ has done this wonderful thing, folks. He's taken the responsibility to salve for salvation out of our hands, so we lose this dreaded sense of responsibility. The amazing treasure, the beauty of the pearl, that's what impelled the man to joy. Whoopee, this is mine and I'm going to keep it. This is how it is with our possession of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit stirs up faith and obedience so that the obedience to faith is a joy, not a burden. We're not Puritans. We don't go around trying to prove we're holy and righteous and pious so that we just we just drive ourselves nuts trying to be good enough. Have you ever gone through this in your life? I have. I've tried so hard to be good. I want my attitude to reflect my Christianity. I don't want to lose my temper without thinking about it. I want to make sure that my giving is where it should be, that my service is where it should be. It's never enough because across the street there's my neighbor. My goodness, he's going down to Guatemala to build houses, and I haven't done that. Or there's this wonderful person who's always going over to the banquet. Or there's, there's these people who come up with their own programs of service. They start ministries for pity's sake. I've never done that. Why can't I do ministry as deeply and as reverently as my neighbor? Who's doing the ministry? Me. Me. Who's deciding what's righteous and holy? Me, not the Holy Spirit. And I'm driving myself nuts. Does a man look at his beautiful wife and say, well, I really ought to work out some feelings to make myself appreciate her? No, he just does. Does the wife look at her husband and say, oh my gosh, this man is such a great father to our children. He's so good to me. He fills me with such a joy, I really ought to make myself value this relationship. No, it comes naturally, out of the heart, and that's where our service, our ministry, our belonging in the kingdom of God lies. This is where our delight is. We already belong, and here's the Holy Spirit directing our ministry. Now you could say, well now wait a minute, I'm not doing ministry like my neighbor. And here we go, double-guessing ourselves again. Whenever we feel that we're the ones that have to interpret the Word of God to decide how well we're doing ministry, that's where we lose our faith. Something is wrong when the self has to force what should be spontaneous. But the Spirit takes hold and makes it happen, makes believers out of us in our own heart. It's sheer joy, sheer joy. Instead, we we should be asking, where has the Spirit placed me today? What door has the Holy Spirit opened for me? It's a joy. Now, if we're just sitting around the house eating bonbons and watching soap operas, we've got a problem. But I'm willing to bet there's nobody in this room that's that bored. Our focus is the relationship we have with Christ. What is he gently and lovingly saying to us this morning? Well, this all sounds great, but what about that last parable? What about the fish thrown out? What if I'm thrown away? What if I'm not doing it right? The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. All kinds. We don't get to choose who gets picked up. Have you ever seen the way a fishing trawler lets out a net? It's on a great big spool. And the guy kicks the the thing off and the net starts to roll out and the boat goes forward and there it is just filling the ocean. And it just brings up all kinds of fish. Brings up other things, too. Brings up tuna and cod and sharks and suckers and eels and yucky fish and garbage. And then the fishermen sit down and they sort through it. Now, sometimes when God throws out that great big net, we start sorting through the fish. We look at our neighbor and we say, gosh, that guy is just an idiot, you know. He mows his lawn at 10 o'clock at night. I can't stand that. He must be bad fish. Or he smokes, or he drinks too much. Or we come up with other negatives, bigger ones. They never go to church. They're too conservative. They're too liberal. But when we decide we're going to sort out the good and bad fish that come up in that net, you know what happens? We turn against community. The very place that God has sent us out to proclaim the word. You're the chosen people. You're the ones to, to bring the light when you speak the word of God. When you share the word. When you, when you call out in God's name. You see, the truth is we don't know when the Holy Spirit will touch our neighbor's heart. So we keep right on praying for them. And we keep right on speaking to the neighbor. Because fortunately, we don't do the sorting at all. God does. Or more specifically in this parable, the angels do. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's strong words. This is not universalism. God is not declaring that everybody now and forever is good fish, or even savable. there is a harvest. Because friends, God does not deal in human logic. God deals in relationships. He seeks out your heart, he gives you faith, he sends his Holy Spirit to enter in and take hold of your heart and transform you because your name is written in the palm of his hand. Because from the moment water was poured over you at baptism, the holy hound of heaven has been after you, working in you and through you to be his servant. And each one of us joyfully is sent out to do that service. But you know what? Some people don't want it. They really don't. C.S. Lewis once said, Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God because nobody else wants to. They don't want it. If what a person wants is a God who surrenders his power of discretion to human whim and judgment, well, that isn't what it says here. But you, you have stumbled across the treasure. You happen to find the pearl. You have been caught up in the net. What a wonderful thing. Why me? I don't know. You're there. So what are you going to do with it? Well, you're going to run with the joy of it all. Get out there and serve the neighbor in whatever capacity the Holy Spirit opens up to you and it won't be the same for anybody sitting here. And above all, don't lose sight of the fisherman, the pearl maker, the treasure barrier. We can and should think twice about the mystery of grace in our own lives and distribute it freely. Forgive love. There's so much wrong in life. There's so much pain and suffering. Here's where it ends right here in this room, when we go out and we give Christ away. Because Christ has rescued us from ourselves, we can get our eyes off ourselves. We don't have to worry about our salvation. So we don't bury the treasure. We don't grasp the pearl. There's more than enough forgiveness, and there's more than enough salvation to go around. Thanks be to God. Amen.